0: This is Need to Know, real talk about unidentified anomalous phenomena. From Australia, Ross Coulthard. From the U.S., Bryce Zabel. Well, here we are in UAP summer. I mean, right now, I guess you could call this the calm after the storm of the hearing the week ago, and now maybe the calm before the next storm, which would be another hearing that people are talking about uh, for September. Uh, In this episode, Ross and I are going to revisit our continual discussion of whether it's sizzling or fizzling out there in UAP disclosure world. We're going to talk about people who have seen David Grush and say, yeah, but where's the evidence? Where's the proof? We're going to talk about that straight ahead. We're going to talk maybe about why this time is different, why this time you should be paying attention to what's going on instead of just saying, until I see the craft or someone who has seen the craft, I'm out of here. We're going to talk about that. And finally, uh, Ross, who is over in Sydney right now, and I want to bring into the show, Ross, I was shocked to hear that you're actually communicating with Sean Kirkpatrick.
1: I, well, yes, I want to respect the privacy of my um, of my approach because I'm desperately hoping that if we behave ourselves, we might get an interview with him. But I have put a bid in to Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, the boss of the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, and he very kindly responded. Um, I have to admit, when I uh, spoke on our uh, weaponized podcast appearance a week ago, and I said that um, Uh, It was crazy that Arrow didn't have an email address or a phone number or even a website. Somebody very, very helpful and uh, probably a little bit naughty in defense sent me Dr. Kirkpatrick's direct email and phone number. And so I won't be revealing that out of respect to him and in the hope that we can somehow get him to appear on the show. But I did drop him an email and uh, he's responded. I asked him for an interview. And he said, I would very much appreciate having the correct media coverage and would love to support additional media interviews, such as the one he did with ABC. I'll have to refer you to Pentagon Public Relations uh, as they handle all media engagements. My team has been working with them to try and engage more with the public on the work that Arrow has been doing for the past year. Thanks very much for reaching out. Now that's not a no. Um, He also, by the way, this this is really interesting. He he's got a a Latin quotation that appears at the bottom of his email, and it is "Universum mutatio est, vita nostra est quod cogitones, cogitationes nostra facere est." Now I'm a schoolboy Latin, but I've also put this through a translator, and it comes back as The universe is changing. Our life is what we make our thoughts. The universe is changing. Our life is what we make make our thoughts. thoughts. Well, I'll tell you something, my
0: friend. I can translate that into English uh, in fewer words. In fact, three letters, (laughs) WTF. I mean, okay, folks, let's unpack this. First of all, uh, Sean Kirkpatrick, let loose after the hearing, uh, with a very public statement that was pretty combative. Um, and so I'm really happy to see the tone that he's taking in this email with you, Ross. And I would just, if, you know, speaking directly to Sean Kirkpatrick, if he sees this, we hope you do come on, uh, we'll treat you as fairly as we know how, and we'll, uh, try to tell the story together. And, and I'm, I'm interested to hear what, what you have to say. And I hope, uh, if people at the department of defense, who have to make the decision about whether he can talk to people like us are seeing this. I hope that they will let him talk to us because, uh, clearly we are in a situation right now where, uh, his voice could answer some questions. And there are a lot of questions people have. Uh, I haven't seen the UFO UAP reality issue world turn this upside down. Well, frankly, ever, uh, there haven't. I mean, there have been something that sort of resembled a hearing in my life, uh, but it wasn't really. And then there have been the two sort of not great hearings, uh, including one with Mister. Kirkpatrick, um, that really didn't rise to the level of just like laying it out there that this last uh, hearing did with David Grush, and David Fravor, and Ryan Graves. So, hey, Ross, I'm all in favor. Of it. You keep on that, and I hope he can come on sooner the better.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I I think there are a a a lot of things that need to be addressed because there are there are inconsistencies between what David Grush has said in his evidence to the Congress under oath and what uh, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick has, uh, I think, said previously, I think, in the evidence that he gave to Senator Kirsten Gillibrand in evidence uh, to one of her subcommittees on the Senate Armed Services Committee a few months ago. So, I mean, I would love it. Now, look, to be honest with you, I'm also getting some feedback from people in defence that there's a more interesting story here that Kirkpatrick does have and i I want to emphasize this i'm told that arrow the all domain anomaly resolution office it does have great people on it who are dedicated and determined to get to the truth of this mystery this phenomenon but that they're terribly frustrated that until very recently their hands have been tied by very very limited budgets And, frankly, by the control of USDI, the Office of the Undersecretary of Defence, Intelligence and Security, led by Ron Moultrie. And uh, I'm really pleased to see that the amendment proposed uh, in the National Defence Authorization Act is going to transfer much of the role of arrow apart from basic administrative functions across to i think the um, deputy secretary of defense so it's a much different positioning of arrow gives it more independence and hopefully it will free it up to ask a few more pertinent questions without interference <laughs>
0: well i sure hope so i mean i think i speak for most people i think who are listening to us or watching us Uh, We would rather that Arrow, which again is the all domain anomaly resolution office, uh, we would rather that Arrow be a useful, constructive, progressive location to help bring the mystery of what UAP represents to the forefront. I'm rooting for that. Um, I don't want to think of Arrow as an obstructionist uh, uh, thing to the actual knowledge of the truth. So i'm all I'm all on board. i I hope he can come on and and because I think that what at least what I'm reading from people as they react to it is they just sort of feel like, okay, we're getting conned by Arrow when there's this other stuff out there. didn't Didn't Kirkpatrick talk to Grush? and what about all these other people? And those are a lot of ver, really valid questions. Uh, I don't know what the exact answer is. and And frankly, if uh, Sean Kirkpatrick can come on, And explain them, I will ask the questions along with you, Ross. So I say, let's get to it.
1: Now, Bryce, This might be a good segue for me to tell you about somebody who contacted me just in this past week they're they're not one of my legacy program sources they're not one of the first-hand witnesses but they are somebody who's contacted arrow and with their permission i'm allowed to talk about the fact that they've approached arrow and they told me that they've given a 45 minute telephone interview to arrow about what they know and in all honesty they've approached with some really interesting information which I'd love to know if we do get the opportunity to talk to Dr. Kirkpatrick, how have they investigated what this person has told them? So this is a guy who um, knew somebody who worked for a major defense contractor and had a very high DOD security clearance. Um, uh, This person had a great uncle who passed away last year of a heart attack in his sleep at age 75. Their great uncle served in the US Air Force for 28 years at E8 level and then was hired to work with E G and oh. G and worked at Area 51 Groom Lake from 1997 to 2014. He retired working for JT4, whatever that is. Before he passed away, this relative, this great uncle confided to my source very important information that to the individual that has contacted me it was shared that the great uncle had a conversation with a senior engineer when he first arrived in 1997 whose e g and g group was tasked with trying to reverse engineer an object that was recovered and brought to area 51 in the 1980s by some cia folk shortly after that conversation the senior engineer retired their great uncle also saw an up close, crystal clear photograph of the same exact object attached to the wall of a secure vaulted data storage room at Area 51 sometime after. The great uncle stated it was absolute proof of a non-human craft, but that the public would probably never get to see that photograph. He said, quote, the object was egg-shaped, about the size of an SUV, silverish grey in colour, smooth, seamless, no control surfaces or propulsion visible, no writing, no symbols of any kind. A few men could pick it up, yet it could not be cut open and X-rays couldn't penetrate it. The best engineers at EG&G tried to figure out how to activate it and what its power source was to no avail they finally came to the conclusion it was a probe craft sent here from another planet. This anonymous individual is willing to testify under oath before Congress. He also took a smartphone image of his great uncle's EG&G engineering group and their insignia patch, and he's authorized me to allow us to show that patch, which I'll send you after this chat, and you can cut it in, my friend. This individual has also interviewed with Arrow and has signed and dated an official memorandum of record. And he's also spoken with Tim Burchett as well, the individual. Now, this is a really interesting example of somebody who's come forward to Arrow with information. And I just wonder when Dr. Kirkpatrick says that there's no credible evidence of extraterrestrial visitation of planet earth is he aware of this memo is he aware of this conversation that this person purports that he's already had with people from arrow Uh, is he saying to congress that there is no information because this person's information of course is hearsay but you could very you could very quickly check this information by approaching the direct source and and moreover checking the bona fides of the great uncle. So I guess I'd just like to know more. I mean, it raises more questions than it answers. I've, I've had a few of these kind of messages from people who are frustrated that that arrows boss is saying one thing, when they say they have presented arrow with information, and they're genuinely puzzled. They're not trying to pick a fight, but they're genuinely puzzled that their information is not being treated with what they regard as sufficient credibility.
0: I think the thinking of people who have heard uh, Dr. Kirkpatrick speak at the committee hearing and then read that statement of his that he put out last week, um, it's possible he just doesn't think this is proof and he doesn't want to look into it because he might see proof and he has plausible deniability if he doesn't look deeply into it. But I will say this, Ross, you and I could fill a show easily every freaking week with these cases where people write us and tell us these things. Um, and, and we get it through our, our email. We, you have your own sources. I have some of my sources, uh, people just write us and tell us a lot of these things. Now we're not trying to sit on them, but we, it takes a uh, manpower and effort and time to look into them. And, and we want to do more vetting obviously. And so that's one of the things, um, that, that we, we work on. And it also explains why, uh, you know, right now, uh, Ross and I are often uh, just a, a two man band here. And we're, we're looking for, to be honest, uh, partners who we can work with who will be able to help, uh, uh basically, uh, fund and partner to create a, a better situation for us to do some of this work and bring it to you. So we're, we're working behind the scenes on not only finding that, uh, helpful partner, but also we are looking uh, into these cases. And, you know, maybe we should just do this every week until, uh, because it, it seems like th- what you just read, Ross, strikes me as that's a really interesting story. And it's presented in a way that doesn't sound like nonsense, which is frankly what most of the things that I read, uh, they, they just sound like people are putting out the details as they know them as best as they can. And I, I, it doesn't feel to me when I read them that, oh, yeah, there's just people making up this stuff and sending it in to us all the time.
1: Well, th- look, there's, there's, that's one of multiple people who've contacted me who told me with some frustration that they've spoken to Arrow and that they're perplexed that there is a representation being made that, quote, I'm, I'm quoting here from Dr. Kirkpatrick's, statement, the unusual statement that he posted around 28 July on his LinkedIn. To be clear, ARO has yet to find any credible evidence to support the allegations of any reverse engineering program for non-human technology. Also, to be clear, none of the whistleblowers from yesterday's hearing ever worked for ARO or was ever a representative to ARO, contrary to statements made in testimony and in the media. Now, there's two points I want to make there. Okay. Okay the individual that has approached me talking about what he's aware of about this person is clearly hearsay. But with a little bit of proactive work, you could probably get to the direct information, you could probably find the direct information. So what I'd like to know is what kind of proactive research is being done. And to be fair to Dr. Kirkpatrick and his staff, is ro being resourced to do that kind of proactive work or are we really just setting up a kind of a straw man scenario where people are waiting for inside arrow for people to come forward with conclusive evidence and the second issue i want to make point here is uh, when he says that none of the whistleblowers ever worked for arrow David Grush never said he worked for Arrow. He worked for the UAP task force, and he was the NGA lead providing uh, support to Arrow, uh, including... UAP related issues. And that's in his CV, which was provided on the Internet this week by the Congress. So I I think it's very important that we we be very, very clear. There should be an opportunity for Dr. Kirkpatrick of Arrow uh, to be given an opportunity to publicly respond where he can be interviewed by people who actually know what they're talking about. I get so frustrated with the appalling state of so many of the questions in the mainstream media at the moment. Poor old Dave uh, Dave Grush went on BBC this week and whilst it was great to see him on a um, a mainstream or to hear him on a mainstream top international broadcaster like the BBC he dropped some really interesting tidbits about the fact for example that his evidence to the inspector general of the intelligence community was as I've said repeatedly backed by first hand witnesses right. And the BBC interviewer, he gets dropped this incredibly important piece of information that David Grush is saying, look, this reprisal complaint I provided to the Inspector General of the intelligence community, it's not just me saying it, it's first-hand witnesses are saying this. And the BBC guy goes, well, yes, very interesting. Now, moving on. And, And you just think, oh, my God, please. You know, can people interview these people who actually listen to the questions and actually understand the issues? Because what's happening at the moment is, even in this statement from Dr. Kirkpatrick, you know, there's there's a certain degree, I think, of um, playing with language. It's very, very important that we all be precise. Let's be very clear. David has never represented that he ever worked for Arrow. He was the NGA lead right. in liaison with Arrow, but primarily he worked for the UAP task force, uh, particularly under Jay Stratton. So detail is important and if Uh, mainstream media is going to be asking questions on this they really need to know their stuff and we're really happy to help them if they just bother to ask
0: there's more to come because you need to know i remember Uh, just in journalism school, uh, to be honest with you. I went to the University of Oregon, and and, uh, one of the things they said that a good journalist was supposed to do was actually listen to the answers. And and I find that uh, certainly my experience appearing on a few national interviews recently and certainly yours is that quite often uh, everyone wants to know, what are my talking points? Uh, What are the questions that the producer has written for me or whatever? and they just do what that BBC reporter did, which is hear a bombshell, doesn't really register, goes on to their next question. And, and that's not good. Uh, we need to do better than that. So, you know, obviously I believe uh, that all people should submit themselves to tough questioning who are part of this emerging story, including Dr. Kirkpatrick. And it would be to his advantage, for example, to submit to tough questioning because uh, he didn't get it from uh, Senator Gillibrand in the hearing that he was in, and he really didn't get it from the ABC interview that he was on either. So, you know, we'll do that. I, I, I do think, though, that w- we need to use this as a pivot point, Ross, to talk about the thing that I think both of us do want to talk about, which is for years. And, and I, I, I get it because I've said it myself on occasion. People have saying, "Just show me the freaking evidence and quit teasing me." Okay, I get that. I understand that. Although uh, there are answers for that, but it really became obvious after the uh, Grush story has broken in that uh, you know, granted, this is a, this isn't like a Gallup poll or anything. This is reading our comments on our videos, which come in by the, the, the thousands and thousands and thousands. And as I read through them, I see people uh, verbally saying, or not verbally, but, uh, in, in written statements, asking the same question, they're saying, okay, I heard Grush say this. It sounds great. Uh, but where's the proof? Okay. Uh, he didn't talk to anybody. I mean, he talked to people, but he didn't see anything. It's hearsay, uh, whatever. So I think we need to to dive into this Ross and let's at least do a few minutes here. Um, I always have said that I didn't expect Dave Grush to be escorted out of the Pentagon with his cardboard box of staplers and and Scotch tape dispensers that he took from his desk in the Pentagon. And I certainly didn't expect him to walk out with his favorite little memento from a a UFO that crashed uh, on his watch. And I didn't expect him to have uh, a little piece of alien biology in that box either. I didn't expect those things. I don't think a guy walks out of the Pentagon with that kind of proof. But how do we bridge this gap? How how do we get to the place where we can say, what Sean Kirk, uh, excuse me, what David Grush is saying, is a level up from the proof that you haven't gotten, and is edging ever so close to the proof that you do want?
1: Okay, let's go through this very, very carefully because I don't think a lot of people understand this, Mr. Grush as we've explained multiple times, is constrained by his security oath. He, as part of his work with the UAP task force, was able to interview 40 witnesses over four years. Those witnesses, as he's told me, and as he's now told the BBC, and as he told Leslie and Ralph, those witnesses, in many cases, were first hand witnesses to the legacy crash retrieval reverse engineering program. That's why Mr. Grush is so sure of what he knows. And frankly, it's why I'm so sure of what he knows as well, because I'm privy to knowing who some of those people are that he's been engaging with, because I'm talking to other people in the program who want this story out. The problem for all of these people is we the public as much as we love this as much as we would love it if somebody just walked out into the white house press room and said okay it's true you've got us we've been lying to you for the last 80 years they aren't going to do that not right now and they're not going to do it for a whole variety of very important and i think quite understandable national security reasons but what they can do is what i propose so right now we've come out of the hearing we know for a fact that the inspector general of the intelligence community has heard and reviewed mr grush's evidence we know that that inspector general of the intelligence community has assessed mr grush's evidence not just on his evidence but by testing it by calling other first-hand witnesses under oath and putting their evidence into what he knows and weighing it up and making an assessment. And on the basis of that assessment, he's gone to the Congress and said, Mr. Grush's claims are credible and urgent. So I think what we could do is suggest very, very quickly that in the next available hearing, if there is going to be one, we make sure that I think his name is Thomas Monheim, the Intelligence Community Inspector General, and possibly also the Inspector General for the Defence Force, are both called and asked, what have they done to verify Mr. Grush's claims? And okay, they might not be able to say first hand witness Joe blogs or first hand witness, Sally Smith. But at least they can say yes, I have personally interviewed first hand witnesses from the legacy programme. And yes, I can attest that Mr. Grush has indeed Been supported by first hand witnesses from within the legacy program. And yes, I can attest that his reprisal complaint and his allegations of a crash retrieval and reverse engineering program have been verified to me to the point where I regard them as credible. And on that basis, I've referred those allegations to the Congressional Intelligence Oversight Committees. And by the way, those committees also have deposed a number of other. First-hand witnesses, some of whom I know Mr. Grush doesn't even know about, who have also given evidence to corroborate the claims about a crash retrieval and reverse engineering program. So I agree with everybody out there that, yes, it's frustrating that we can't just have this evidence put on a plate so that we can review it. But there are very simple ways that we are now looking at because people are talking about the next hearing. And I think it's not yet 100% that we're going to get another hearing, and it's not 100% that that hearing will be able to ask the questions that we want asked. It's certainly not going to be able to call first-hand witnesses. I mean, if I'm a first-hand witness and I've got knowledge of the legacy Crash Retrieval Reverse Engineering Program, even though the National Defence Authorization Act authorizes those witnesses in fact demands that they come forward to arrow and provide arrow with their information there's no provision in that legislation for it to be automatically made public by the congress and there's certainly no provision for it to be disclosed in open public hearing before a congressional hearing and people need to understand this that there is a serious possibility that the congress could find itself fully briefed as i believe it already is about the existence of a crash-retrieval reverse engineering program, and the public may never get to hear about it. Uh,
0: there's a lot to unpack in there. Let's go with what you just finished with. I do have that concern that if uh, every time someone asks those really probing questions, the person who's answering them in a hearing says, I'll have to take that into a skiff or into a classified session because what the public is hungry for is they want a public uh, explanation of what's going on and they ought to get it. So I do think we have to be careful about how that is all constructed. And, uh, that's why I no longer push, uh, overwhelmingly for disclosure, I push for confirmation. You can confirm that we are in contact uh, with a non-human intelligence and just straight up claim that is the truth. And it can come from official sources without violating standards and practices and and, uh, sources and methods. Uh, Also, uh, the way you were talking about the hearings, this is how hearings are supposed to work. A hearing is supposed to work where someone comes in, uh, like Dave Crush, make statements that shocked a lot of people. And then it, when you have other hearings, you start to bring in people who can either confirm or deny what the person said. That's how it works. Take a look at some of the hearings that have been so important here in the United States over the years, the Senate Watergate hearings of 73 and the uh, church committee's uh, intelligence uh, hearings of 75. You know, They would have somebody come in, tell their story, and uh, they would bring somebody in uh, at another session to uh, talk about that person's story. And that's clearly the kind of hearing that people uh, deserve. Um, I do think, though, uh, we are clearly in new territory. This time does uh, not only feel different, but I think in, in all respects, it is still different. Because here's Dave Grush who comes in and he tells people where to look and who to call. Uh, so th- the proof isn't necessarily in his hands. He's constrained. He is not an agent of the government. He's not running a strike team of federal marshals that's going to break in and get it. He's telling the appropriate people in Congress what it is that he knows. And he's telling them: if you want to go see for yourself or get this proof, here's where you start. Now, that has never happened, in my view, uh, with our U.S. Congress to any historical precedent that I can even think of so I am eager uh, for hearings to continue and I do know one thing we are in the doldrums of summer uh, August is a time when people vacation it's also we're a time where people take some time off uh, work uh, well first of all in Hollywood everybody's on strike so work isn't going on like it used to but even even in the good days August was usually a downtime as it is across much of the world. Uh, but again, when people come back in the fall, the question is: Are there going to be hearings or not? And who's going to hold them? Uh, the first ones we just had last week, House Oversight Committee. Well, what about the Senate? Are they going to get in the act? What? Are they, which? Which committee? And um, I'm not even sure how they decide which committee gets to hold a hearing about UAP. Uh, I don't have that answer now, but I know Ross and I are going to look into that and try to get back to you. But anyway, I, I do think we well, are in, can I, in a I, new I, I might
1: try and answer that. I've, I, I, oh, our good okay. friend, Douglas Dean Johnson, who does some fantastic work covering the conference. Yeah. Douglas is, uh, Dean's basically su- suggested that the most likely committee is a subcommittee of the Armed Services Committee, of which oh. I, I think the one he's talking about probably is Senator Kirsten Gillibrand is the chair of. Now she's the Democrat from New York, and she's the chair of That's, the Emerging Threats right. and Capabilities Subcommittee, and its responsibilities include policies and programs related to science and technology, special operations, intelligence, counterterrorism, security cooperation, strategic and information operations, countering weapons of mass destruction, and homeland defense. Homeland defense, and on that committee, there's uh, Gillibrand, Senator Jean. Yeah. Shaheen, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Senator Gary Peters, Senator Jackie Rosen, and Senator Mark Kelly, who I think is a former astronaut.
0: Part of the problem of of the Emerging Threats Committee though, Ross, is first of all, it stands for ET, which I think is nice. Emerging Threats, the ET committee, we'll call it. But here's the problem with it. That was the second hearing we had. That's where Gillibrand uh, basically sat in an almost empty room and talked to Sean Kirkpatrick. And it was underwhelming. She was underwhelming in her questions. He was underwhelming in his perception of being open. And uh, the the visuals were completely underwhelming. So okay. I actually hope I that agree. they don't get another chance. I didn't think they did the job very well. And I think somebody else should step in. I'd rather see the whole okay. Senate Intelligence Committee do it.
1: I've, I've actually been critical of Gillibrand for that very reason, because I was very, very disappointed with her questioning of Dr. Kirkpatrick when she had the opportunity because when he said there was no credible evidence, I would love to to hear her ask, well, what kind of work have you done? I mean, at the moment, as I understand it, Arrow is largely a reactive body. Is it doing proactive work? Um, There are a few people I know who've been approached by investigators and asked if they want to testify. But those investigators have actually been from the Senate, not from Arrow. In fact, I haven't heard anywhere of Arrow actively soliciting uh, and proactively searching for information. So when he says, for example, there is no credible evidence, can I suggest let's just I want to come back to this, because I really want to plant this idea in the minds of opinion leaders. You've got Thomas Monheim an American intelligence officer who's currently the inspector general of the United States intelligence community. He was confirmed by the Senate in September 2021 to be the permanent IG. He's previously the general counsel, the lawyer for the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency where David Grush worked. He's also served as a prosecutor, defense counsel, military judge of the White House military office. And he was also mobilized for nine months with Operation Enduring Freedom and Iraqi Freedom. He's a former colonel from the um, Air Force Reserves. Now, this guy is the bloke who's apparently investigated David Grush's allegations. He's the guy who was apparently, according to David Grush, deposed, taken testimony from first-hand witnesses. The need to know
0: never stops.
1: How hard would it be for Senator Kirsten Gillibrand as the chair of either the um, Emerging Threats Committee on the Senate Armed Services Committee, or I think she's also a majority member on the Cyber Security Committee. Um, and there's also, I think, the other committee that might be relevant here is the Strategic Forces Committee that she sits on as a majority member. But all of those are subcommittees of the Senate Armed Services Committee. I'm told that it's most likely it's going to be the Senate Armed Services Committee. Frankly, it doesn't matter. It it doesn't matter. As long as we get the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community before a committee under oath, and he has to be under oath, and asked the key question, sir, Mr. Inspector General, have you investigated Mr. Grush's claims? Yes, sir. Have you spoken to direct first-hand legacy program crash retrieval reverse engineering witnesses? Yes, sir, according to Mr. Grush. Isn't it all over at that point?
0: Yeah. Well, it would certainly be closer to being all over. I mean- Well, how how is that? Seriously. I mean, mean, seriously. I mean, let's just do it. I just don't want to make this all about uh, Sean Kirkpatrick, who I think would be a fascinating interview for us. But one of the things Ross and I are trying to do, by the way, is we don't do a lot of interviews here. Uh, We try to brief you up uh, as best we can and have, and keep it short and concise. Uh, We're not interested in having interviews where we tread the same stuff. So for example, love to have Sean Kirkpatrick on, but you know what? That ICIG That would be a great one. Uh, but so would, uh, Gillibrand. I would say let's get some people in who are in the midst of making this happen or not letting it happen. And let's put their feet to the fire and let's be friendly and reasonable, but let's, let's talk to them and say, what are you doing? How does this actually work? What can we expect? Which by the way, Ross allows me to sort of, as we begin our, our final descent into, um, the end here, um, Let's go on our time machine. Uh, I remember uh, at the end of 2022, uh, we literally were projecting ahead, talking about what 2023 was going to look like. And we've talked about this for a couple of times now. Was Did we think it was going to sizzle or fizzle in 2023? And I just want to remind you um, that when we were having that discussion, Dave Grush had not yet told his story to you on News Nation Uh, And we had not had hearings before the House Oversight Committee where Dave Grush told his story in public uh, to the Congress and where David Fravor and uh, Ryan Graves showed up. So I put it to you, Ross. I mean, I was, I believe, on the sizzle. And if I'm not mistaken, you were on the fizzle. And yet, look what's happened. I mean, what's your take at this point? Are Are you Mr. Sizzle or
1: fizzle now? Okay, are you still a sizzle? I am a sizzle. All the way. I'm a qualified fizzle. Okay. I really am because, I mean, I I don't think people realize how precarious this is. Uh, I'm aware of a massive pushback. I mean, uh, uh, okay, we know there's been this dramatic public hearing. David Grush has been given the opportunity to present his evidence. But I'm not seeing, with the exception of Kirsten Gillibrand, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand's stated resolve, And with the exception of that fantastic legislation from Senator Chuck Schumer, the Senate majority leader, which apparently is going to go through into law if it hasn't already. um, I'm not seeing the unanimity of opinion across the particularly the Senate leadership. I mean, there really should be hearings of the Senate Intelligence Committee of this. Why should it go to the Senate Armed Services Committee? Um, I'm not hearing, and I think what's happening is there's nervousness going into an election year about making UAPs an election issue. Well, I can tell you, it's going to be, because this isn't going away. There's more to come. And whilst I do think I'm negative at the moment, because I'm not seeing the positive support from leadership in Congress. And the reason why there's not that positive support. It's called the wheel that squeaks gets the grease. There's not enough squeaking from the general public to their congressional leadership that this matters as a political issue. People really do. They need to write letters to their senators and to their congressperson and let them know that this matters, that this is an election issue. Because frankly, it's still out of the mainstream media. It's great that the BBC's covered it this week. Yep. Um, there's been a, a smattering of articles, but some of those articles have been downright defamatory of David yes. Rush. And it seems to be a position of it can't possibly be true, therefore it isn't. And well, it's a kind of a closed mindedness in the legacy media and in influential commentators, particularly the. Um, you know the Seth Shostaks of this world and the the standard debunkers, and it's this very unscientific dismissiveness. It's this reluctance to engage with the simple facts that have been presented. It's
0: it's the classic. Don't bother me with the facts. I've already made up my mind.
1: Yeah, right? yeah, and, and, I, and I, you I think can, that, you hear that. oh, that's why I'm a fizzle. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm not I, I seeing it. yet the traction.
0: So here's why I'm a sizzle. Um, I, I think. Dave Grush and your role in it, Ross, unbelievable. Um, I, that that's historic no matter how it turns out now. These hearings, there have been two this year, uh, the the one that Kirkpatrick first testified at and the second one that we just had hearings. I mean, that's historic right there, especially when they're as shocking as this last one. Schumer uh, uh supporting legislation that 26 times refers to non-human intelligence in the in the Legislation. These are big things to me. Um, and as you, just a, the, this is all part of the National Defense uh, Authorization Act, the NDAA, which historically over the last two years, uh, it always passes, but it doesn't pass until uh, December when the president, I mean, it's not law, rather, until the president signs it, which happens in December. So I look for the 2023 year to close out with that becoming law. So crazy times. Now, I did want to say one thing. Uh, it the easiest thing in the world, uh, you know. Let your congressman know what's going on, and the easiest thing in the world is write an email. But I would just suggest to people that if you want to start getting a little more attention, start writing letters, the old-fashioned snail mail. Because you know what happens with a letter? It gets put on somebody's desk, and then they have to clear their desk off, and they 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 hand it to somebody else. Or I mean email is so ephemeral you can read it and you don't share it now yes you can share it but i guarantee they're not sharing everybody's mail but when bags of real mail come in they do pay attention so i would just say if you can handle it go buy a bunch of stamps buy some envelopes and and if you can write in your own stupid handwriting mine's not so great but it's authentic authenticity is what's going to make this this difference. And then finally, you were talking about the presidential campaign. I'm a little irked right now that I can't look at the landscape and see a single person um, who's running for president in the Republican or Democratic parties who seems to be really briefed up on the UAP issue and you can just see them smacking to talk about it. Um, I, I just don't see that right now. And, and I hope that's wrong because... Uh, as you recall, uh, in 2020, there was lots of things happening. I mean, the New York Times article in 2017 and Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon and Tom DeLong, all these people are out there talking about all this. And yet it was a national security issue even then, and it didn't get brought up in the presidential debates. So I'm hopeful that this year will be different because major things have happened. And uh, if that does happen... And we have it brought up in presidential debates on top of Grush and the hearings and Schumer and the NDA becoming law and and somebody talking about it. That would make it a big sizzle for me. So, you know, listen, I've got my fingers crossed. I'm not sitting here telling you or anybody else listening that I that for sure it's not going to peter out because, Ross, I will say this. I hear the same thing you hear. Um, There is a split opinion coming from Washington, uh, not just in Congress and not just in the defense department, in both of them, where there are strong groups of people that would rather this whole thing be swept under the rug again and not have to deal with it. So yeah, there is a conflict going on. We'll see.
1: Watch Donald Trump.
0: Right. Well, that is a hail Mary that he might play. Who knows? Who knows? Listen, um, very quickly a couple of housekeeping things just want to tell people what's going on in need to know world um We, uh, as as many of you have heard on some of our things, we have a song, Need to Know, that was performed by Cherish Alexander. I actually had her, I wrote the lyrics for it, and she recorded it back in 2010. But uh, Cherish has become such a fan of our show that she is recording now the acoustic version of it, and we'll be debuting that in September, which is kind of fun, and it's a great song. And maybe it'll be the theme song for Disclosure. Um, the other thing is we've taken I, I, I have a very vibrant medium uh, uh, publication that used to be called Trail of the Saucers, where it's got 150 articles, some great writing about the the UAP issue from a variety of different uh, 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 authors and we've now converted that into need to know so we're going to be sharing that as well so need to know is going to have its twitter presence or is that x the x presence we're going to have our youtubes and we're also going to have actual articles and we'll be able to start talking about some of those articles on our show so you know who cares what they're doing in dc we're all in fire on fire and we're, we're getting it done that's my report i
1: think that wraps us up for this week
0: listen everybody Stay involved, don't give up. We are at a a very interesting moment in history and literally whether it sizzles or fizzles in 23, wait for 24.
1: Because we need to know.
0: Need to Know is a joint production of Stellar Productions and Powerful Owl Productions. The producer is Rich Johnson. Want more? Find more at needtoknow.today. That's needtoknow.today.